His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. And your love forever. I'm going to share this morning. Um, it's going to be a little bit, uh, some about what I shared on um, this last Wednesday. A mix of um, coming out of fear a little bit and then also the power of our words and our belief system and stuff. So, <clears throat> Father, I just I just give this to you. <laughs> and I just thank you, Lord, that your strength is made perfect in weak people. And I just thank you that you're going to speak through me. And your words are going to come out of me. And it's going to bring life and freedom. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to start off with some words that Jesus said in John 8. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And I have been pondering these scriptures just over and over again, and I just love, love what they imply, but I was just like, Lord, what are you saying? And then it goes on in verse 34. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever but the Son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So we must abide in the Word. And what that means is not just reading it, but when we read it, we let it permeate our hearts, we let it permeate our minds, we let it change the way we think or the way we view things. And we have to begin to confess it as our own. And that's one of the main ways that I learn, have learned to cause the word to begin to permeate me. When I begin to confess it over my life, it could be areas that I'm not walking in that yet, or I don't see it like that yet. But I begin to confess the truth of his word, and it begins to permeate those areas. It gets inside our thought patterns and our wrong ways of thinking. The word is supposed to wash our minds anyways. So those wrong thought patterns, those ways, patterns of ways of thinking that are not godly, that are not the word of God, the word begins to undo those things for us. And the more you know the truth of what God says about you, the more free you become. So Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. So you're his disciples. If you're abiding in his word, you're his disciple, period. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And a son is one that abides forever. So we are sons and daughters. We are not some slave. Now, I believe our mindsets cause us to act like slaves. We act like ones that are not really free in Christ. But he said, whom the Son makes free, you shall be free indeed. 
So that means when he begins to speak his word over us, it begins to change the way we view things, the way we look at ourselves or others. We begin to think like Christ, and it sets us free. I thought this was really powerful. I think I shared this on that Wednesday night, but um, I'm going to read a little bit out of his book. Uh, It's called The Veil, and Blake Healy wrote it, and he's, um, he's over the School of Ministry in Atlanta with Bethel School. And he is an incredible, uh, just incredible person, incredible giftings. He has seen in the spirit realm ever since he was a little child. And I don't mean a little. I mean, it's like vivid and real. And so one of the things that he was teaching, I felt like went along with this. It says, the truth is, is that demons are more attracted by what you think than what you do. And that doesn't give you freedom to do whatever you want to do. But the point is, is your thoughts matter? The deeper truth is, is that knowing who you are in Christ determines how you think. So the more that you know what Christ thinks about you and you begin to have those thoughts, it determines how you think. The only way to know who you are in Christ is to know what he thinks about you. So get your Bible out. Begin to find out what he says about you. That is to say, if you know what God has to say about you, then the lies that the enemy will throw at you will seem very silly. You start realizing those aren't truths. That's not what God says about me. Another thing that he said is knowing who God says you are is just as important as knowing who God is. And so I think this is something that God has been doing in our body for a while now. It's been a few years of really knowing what God says about us. What does he think about us? He likes us. He he loves who you are. He loves how he made you and everything about you. But we've known about God, and we thought it was so important to know all the aspects, his justice, his righteousness, his truth, and those are important. But seeing God as all-powerful and mighty is well and good, but none of those things, but none of that does any good if you don't know what he thinks about you. And I think that's where we begin to see a shift of... of, um, of power, of, of movement in our lives, of breakthrough. We begin to know what God thinks about us. He actually likes us. He actually loves who we are. Okay. I've been afraid of not being enough for myself or others. And that's just, everybody's got lies or things that they believed. And sometimes you may feel like you're all alone, but I don't think we are. I think a lot of times other people are feeling the same struggles. And it may not be exactly like yours, but we all have had struggles. So I've been afraid of not being enough for myself and others. I've struggled with jealous thoughts at times and not known why, because I know I came to a place of actually knowing that's not my heart. But I would have these terrible, jealous thoughts, and I hated that I would have them. Well, I felt like the Lord showed me something, and this, is, this just began to bring some freedom. 
I never saw this before, but it was something Chris Vallotton said. He said that the root of jealousy is really deep down, not feeling like you're good enough. And that just kind of like blew the cover off for me. It was like, oh my gosh, that's the root. So God, fill up that area. Make it so that I know, make it so that we know that we're good enough in him. We don't have, it's, it's just like, I can't believe what God did in worship. It, it is so much his heart. We don't have to try. We don't have to become some, some great thing for him to notice us. He notices us and he loves us and he cares about us. So what I'm saying is that God, when I have thought deep down that I'm not good enough, I'm saying that God is, has some, somehow not been good enough for me. <laughs> and that's a lie. He's been good enough for you. It doesn't matter what situations or things you guys have walked through. And we've all walked through some pretty painful stuff. I mean, that's life. It's been hard. And it doesn't mean you're not going through it right now. But he's always good enough. He's always there and he's always good enough. Maybe the way it's one of the things could be just these simple kind of things. Maybe it's the way you look at how you, how you look. Maybe you don't like how you look. Maybe you feel like you're not smart enough. Did he not create us in his image? Did he not say it's good? I made man in my image and it's good and I like it. He made the man and then he made the woman and he said, oh, it's very good. And I like what I made. In 1 John 4, 18, and this is oh, such a powerful scripture. There is no fear in love. No fear of not being enough. <laughs> but perfect love it casts out fear. So that means fear cannot stay in your life if you are living in love. And that brings hope, actually, because I've been saying, give me more love. I want it. Because fear involves torment. Isn't that why Jesus came? He came because he wanted to set us free from our fears, from our sins, from the things that held us down. Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So when you find yourself in that place, facing fears, facing things about your life or, or situations, just know you've not been made perfect in love, and it's okay. It's okay. He's going to do it because it's what he loves to do. He loves to reveal himself and perfect his love in us. So I've been asking him, God, perfect your love in me. Perfect your love in me, in me. The only way I can change is, number one, to believe what he says about me. So the only way you can change, and uh, this is just what I feel. I don't know. There might be other keys, but this is the way I see it. The only way you can change or I can change is to believe what he says about us. And number two, to speak it until we believe it. And so just continue. Let Make that a life cycle. It, it is a life cycle because I don't, I don't see how we, uh, 
we, we get victories and we, and we, but it comes, we might have something else in that same pattern. It's like, no, <laughs> okay, change my thinking to believe what you say about me or this situation or how you see things and then be, begin to speak it until you believe it. Okay. The truth is, my thoughts matter. Your thoughts matter. If they're good, my eye is good and it's full of light. But if I'm struggling with, and I'm not saying that your thoughts are always, a lot of times your thoughts are there and you don't even know why. If my thoughts are not going down a path of something good, and they truly can be stinking sometimes, they will not lead you towards anything good or you will start having thoughts that aren't good towards yourself or towards anyone else. Do you notice that the thoughts begin with a feeling or an insecurity or a thought of not being enough? Then if I don't stop them quick, they begin this torrent of tearing myself down. But the enemy isn't happy with just tearing me down. That isn't enough for the enemy. They begin to move into an accusation against my dear brothers and sisters. You guys, we have to be aware of the patterns of where our mind is going. You can think it's okay to tear yourself down. I mean it, ladies, that you put yourselves down with your weight or how you look in the mirror, blah, 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 blah. No, it's not okay. He loves the way he made us. And that's what I, even the joy in the journey. You know what? You may not be where you want to be, but have joy where you're at and what he's doing with you now. And then, you know, the accusations begin towards ones you love, you know? And I'm not saying these are things that you want in your mind, okay? A lot of times the enemy plants seeds and they just, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa. And you know what? A lot of times if I let that stay there and get discouraged and like, oh my gosh, why am I thinking that? A lot of times it's not my thoughts. Recognize they're not you. The enemy is a liar and he wants to tear you down. He wants to tear your brothers and sisters down. So am I the only one that ever has this happen? Am I alone? <laughs> Because if I am, okay. <laughs> uh, I used to think I was. I, I did. And like I was the only one dealing with these things. The enemy is always looking to tear you down. He wants you to feel isolated and alone. And this is why we need each other. This is why we need the body of Christ. I'm telling you, you can't get over a thought or you can't get over something. Get prayer. Get somebody to pray with you. <clears throat> But you need to know he wants you isolated and alone. And what he does is always lies and he cannot tell any truth. He wants you to feel alone and unable to change anything. That's, that's his lie. And boy, is that not true. Everything can be changed because nothing is impossible with God. And there is always hope. And there is always something that God is doing now on the earth. He's not uh, off in the heavens, leaving us here, wondering what in the world's he doing. Why are we here? Why does it feel hopeless? No, he gave us his word to begin to plant hope. 
He wants you to feel, okay, the enemy. He wants you to feel that his sins are your sins. And boy, is that one of the biggest lies that I began to recognize and realize. Those are not your thoughts. They are straight from hell. (laughs) And they are. And if you if you can begin to grasp that they're not yours, it begins to break them up and break the power of them. Let's see. Okay. Um, another thing, sometimes we just have wounds, you know? We have the areas in our lives that are just hurt, and of course we need, we need the body. We need to get prayer and get healing for that, but this is something else that that Blake had wrote about, and I thought this fit with this. It says, wounds that go unattended skew our view. Not only those around us, but also ourselves. So you, you know what? We, we have areas we haven't dealt with we cannot see clearly. It taints our view. While part of the strategy of the demonic is to deceive us into believing lies about ourselves, the other part, is trying to get us to believe lies about others. And I just felt like that just pretty much sealed that. Um, Let's see. Okay. I wrote a couple of wrote a couple of poems. I, I just sometimes I they're kind of like songs, but they're poems or whatever, but they're ways, they're just lyrics that help me express my heart to God. And um I just felt like this one in particular, um I don't even know when I wrote it, but I just felt like it maybe fit. I just want to see your face. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to know your heartbeat and to get lost in who you are. You know everything about me. You know me inside out. You made me who I am, and you love me. And you love who I'm becoming. I want to know everything about you. I want to know you inside out. You are my flawless creator, and your love transforms me. Flawless in beauty, matchless in grace and love, full of justice and truth, and your righteousness extends to a thousand generations. There is no fear in love. You are my God, and your word transforms me. It tells me who I am. I am who you say I am. And here's a <clears throat> another thing that I wrote. Take me to a depth I've not known, a love so deep I must know. Open me up. Draw me out, fill me up, and pour me out. Love come in and change how I see. Your beauty has marked me. How I am, who I am. It's all about you and not about me. There is no fear in love, so perfect your love in me. Okay. I'm actually going to read out of the book because this is way too long to write down. Um, if you love <clears throat> hearing about the spirit world, <laughs> I, I recommend reading this book. It's so awesome. Um, this was cool because I kept feeling like I was supposed to get pick this book up again. 
when I uh, was putting my message together um, a couple weeks ago, and for some reason I just totally spaced it, and uh, <laughs> the very next morning I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder you wanted me to read this. Well, I just feel like this really is a good picture of um, what <laughs> what we deal with and how how this works, okay? how it works with our words and our thoughts. So he's talking. This is uh, Blake. He's talking. I'm at my house doing my best to hide from a sweltering Georgia afternoon. My wife is out of town for the week, so the house has been in better shape. I'm in the rocking chair in our upstairs bedroom where there are a few too many pieces of laundry on the floor and about five half full glasses on my nightstand. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a boy I know. I suppose it is better to build a collection of stacked glasses at my bedside than run the risk of having to go downstairs to fetch a glass of water. There's a hole in the ceiling above my bed. Okay, guys, he sees literally in the spirit realm. I mean, it's just like he's, he's right there. It's just like I'm seeing you guys. Thankfully, this hole doesn't exist in the physical world because I'm about as good at fixing things as I am at remembering that I already have a cup on my nightstand. This hole is an access point, a spot where the enemy can get in. Now, don't be silly. It's not like my walls are so thick or my front door so ingeniously locked that demons have to resort to clawing a small hole in my roof. Remember that when you see in the spirit, it is a visual representation of spiritual reality. That hole isn't really there, but it represents something that is. I have been stressed about money lately because that's what happens when you're the male half of a young married couple with a new baby. That's probably why the hole is there. I know this because I feel the stress when I look at it. That's the interesting thing about demonic influence. It feels so real when you're in the middle of it. But the moment you see it clearly, it's no more threatening than a a paper machete bunny. (laughs) You guys need to get this. We've got to get this. You affect the world around you for better or worse. My worry about money has created an access point for the enemy to influence me. It's like carving a groove for water to flow. This access point looks small. If it were physical, I probably couldn't even fit my hand through it. It looks like someone burned through my roof with a lighter or a small blowtorch. If I didn't change my thought patterns, my worries would continually dig at that hole, making it bigger. I've seen access points in people's homes that are coated in wax like a beehive or held open by a black timbers like a mine shaft. This happens when demonic lies start mixing with worries or fears. It reinforces the enemy's access. So I will pray this simple prayer. I command that access point to be closed. I cover it with the blood of Jesus, and I repent for not trusting God to be my provider. And just like that, it heals itself. The angel over my baby's crib flies up to the spot, touches it with her hand. It glows for a moment, and that's that. Now, you don't need to copy my prayer. I don't use the same one every time, and half the time I don't pray at all. Not that there's anything wrong with praying protection over your house or anointing all the rooms with oil. These things are designed to be acts of faith. It's more important to change the way you think than to perform the correct ritual. 
Your home is your environment. Your environment is a reflection of your habits and mindsets. My wife is gone, so my environment is littered with dirty laundry and more cups than I'll likely need. It is a reflection of my disdain for cleaning up after myself. I could put the laundry in the hamper and carry all the half-full glasses downstairs in less than a minute. But my room will look like this again in a few days if I don't change my habits. And guys, that is important. If we don't change the patterns, the way we think, the, the disheartening thoughts, the negativity, that's one of the biggest it won't change anything. We've got to change these habits within us. And I think the best way to fight it is with the word of God because I don't know how else you do it. I've been stressing about money and that stress created an access point in my room. I have God-given authority and I can use it to shut any demonic door and chase any demon out of my house. But they can come right back in and build a new door if I don't change the habits and mindsets that let them enter in in the first place. We either agree with God in how he sees us in our thoughts or words, or we will agree, and most of the time unknowingly, a lot of times we don't even know we're doing it with the enemy. I don't know about you, but I want to close every access point. I want to see. I want to see things the way he does. I think this is good. Um, I hope by reading that, that it helps you guys understand why it matters so much. I love that picture. But one of the things I was just thinking about uh, the movie Bambi, when you can't say something nice, uh, and how about, about yourself? Let's start with yourself. Because honestly, if you begin to say nice things about yourself, you start saying nice things about everybody else. It has to change in here. If you can't say something nice about yourself, then don't say anything. Or rather speak what Father would say about you. So if you can't think of, I was just thinking about this. If you, you're called to go give a word to somebody, just speak what Father would say about them. And if you can't do that, start practicing at home what he says to you. And I, I just pull out the scriptures, begin to say, oh God, you've made me this way. I'm creative. I'm this, I'm that. Because that's who you are and you're in me. Okay, Proverbs uh, 15, 4, and this, I'm going to read this out of two different translations. Um, this is the Passion Translation. When you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. <laughs> but unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. Okay, that is true. But it's also true about how you view yourself and how you speak about yourself. When you speak healing words, you offer yourself fruit and you become a tree of life. But unhealthy negative words do nothing but crush your hope. And then this is Proverbs 15:4 in the New King James Version. And this is how it reads, same verse. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 
And wholesome means healing. So it's literally healing. A healing tongue. So you guys, we have the ability to speak healing over our bodies, over our minds, over our spirits, over our family, over our home, our children, our mates. Uh, that's a really important one as wives, to speak healing over our husbands. A wholesome healing tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness, that means every negative thing, every evil thing the enemy would throw at you. Perverseness can be just, you're just not very good looking. You know, your eyes are weird looking. I don't know. Just, I don't like how you smile. It could be anything. The perverseness, it will break our spirit. So we're going to become those that have healing tongues. I believe the Lord is already doing this in us. But uh, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And it's our faith. It's our faith in Christ. It's our faith and our trust in him. And that's what changes us. Let's see. I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> Quarter till. Okay. There was one other thing I wanted to read that I thought was really, really powerful. And this is about principalities. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is just huge. I think it's incredible because we think of principalities and we think, oh my gosh, I don't, I mean, it's huge, okay? Principalities <clears throat> can only stay where they have a place to land. While casting down a principality will remove it from its place, it is much more profitable and powerful to change the spiritual ecosystem that attracted it there in the first place. And so I felt like the Lord was just saying that that's, I mean, just telling you guys, you have areas that need healed in your life. You have physical ailments. You have hormonal issues. You have whatever it is. Begin to change your ecosystem. And how do we do that? We do it with the word. If there is a spirit of poverty over your city, be generous. I love this. I mean, it's not that God doesn't love our prayers and want us asking for these things to change. But begin to just actually do something about it. You actually can step out and do this, okay? I felt like all of these were really fitting for us. Okay, if there's a spirit of poverty over your city, be generous. If there's a spirit of anger, release peace. If there's a spirit of homosexuality, release identity in Christ. If there's a spirit of fear, release love. That may seem like far too little when you're starting, staring at the problems we all face, but that is just the point. Principalities strive to make us feel insignificant. Every single step we take, individually and corporately, toward a culture modeled after the kingdom of God <laughs> is a victory. It is possible to cast down a principality through prayer, but it is impossible for a principality to remain in a culture that has made no room for it. So guys, 
We have the opportunity to absolutely make no more room for the enemy to have access to our minds, to our thoughts, to um, negative patterns, negative, negative words coming out of our mouths. We have something that the world doesn't have. We have hope. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. He is for us and there is nothing, I mean nothing, that can come against us. And I love that scripture in Romans 8.38. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And that is our hope, guys. And I feel like um, the reason I wanted to read that one is just because <laughs> let's believe God. Let's believe what he says about us. Let's believe his word. Let's hold fast that confession that he's enough. We aren't, but oh man, he is. He is. You are enough in him and through him. Speak words of life over yourself. Speak them over your health. Speak them over your family. Speak them over your mate. Rejoice every day and make yourself smile because he's with us. So, hallelujah. That's it. Father, I just want to I just want to praise you, God. You Lord, you have been releasing this very message across the whole body of Christ. It is so important, Lord. Um, the book I just finished from Patricia King talks about the same thing. This Blake uh, Healy, um, um, Morningstar has been talking about it. Uh, Bethel, I mean, it's all over the body of Christ. Why? Because, God, it's important for us to get this. And, Lord, I want to thank you for Hannah for her faithfulness, God, in, in bringing this word to us today. And, Lord, it was, it, was, um, it was just anointed because you're in it. And, God, I'm asking for, you, uh, for your grace, God, for us to get a hold of this. Lord, um, we have to do this by practice. We have to, we, just what she said, Lord, even if you don't feel it, do it anyway. And we practice this, God. We have to practice this as spouses one to another. Um, Lord, so because it's sometimes it's hard to break habits of doing things. We do things out of habit and we don't even realize it. So, Lord, I'm asking for that today. And I thank you for this word, God. It was an awesome word. And I'm asking that you would just take it out on your angels and bless this area, the atmosphere around this area in our hearts, God. Let us not forget this word, um, but Lord, meditate on it. And Lord, if it didn't take notes, then listen to the listen to the podcast and listen to it over and over until we get it in our hearts, God. So Lord, we bless you and we thank you for it. 
Lord, we I just want to release everybody today. Lord, we just bless them, and we we ask for your um, your traveling mercies to just rest on them. And Lord, one of the words uh, Teresa, or I mean Hannah was sharing, and it made me think of that scripture that says, "A curse without cause cannot light." When she was talking about those uh, principalities, Lord, I, I'm saying we're gonna we're gonna remove by your grace the causes that would allow those things to alight. And we give you the glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, one more thing. I'm sorry. Um, there's a, there's videos. I don't know if you guys have ever seen something like this. But if you have a struggle knowing how your words affect your body or your atmosphere, your home, Look up on YouTube's um, some of the the videos that they have of, of people speaking over rice. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. Um, there's uh, I love the one on there's ones on um, the difference between hate and love words spoken over them, and then there's one also with that like of ignore. Watch those videos if you need like a picture of what that how that affects you guys. It's no different than how it affects our bodies. So I would just encourage you to do that. Thank you for listening to this message. You.